0: One of the things that all of us are a part of is, is culture, a certain culture. Like, for example, right now, we're all in South Carolina. All the people in the room are in South Carolina. Maybe if you're watching online, you're not, but you're in South Carolina. So you're part of South Carolina culture, even if you're on vacation or whatever. And then within the South Carolina culture, we have other cultures. Like, um, for example, if you've, if you've ever gone to a football game, at Death Valley, they got some cultural things that they do over there, right? You, you um, stand up, and, and the, t- the team gets on the bus, and they drive around the stadium, and they run down the hill, and they rub the rock, and the band plays, and everybody cheers, and it's a, it's a cultural thing. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And South Carolina's got the same culture. Y'all play the, um, oh, God, I forgot, Sandstorm, Sandman, what's the song? it's a song about a sand thing and y'all wave a white flag, right? And it's part of the culture because y'all are already surrendering before you even start the game. You got the white flag, but, but it's part of the culture and all of us have that, we, we got a part of a culture and subcultures. Now church, church is no different. Church has subcultures and church, if we're not careful in church world, we will speak insider language to people that don't speak our language. Let me give you um, a couple examples. I remember going to a a Bible study prayer prayer time that turned into a testimony service. I don't know if you've ever been to a testimony service. Somebody asked me one time, when we're gonna have a testimony service, second chance. I said, when hell freezes over, because (laughs) I'll tell you why, they start off good and they always go sideways. There's always that one person that talks for 30 minutes and everybody, anyway. So this one person got up and she was so excited about sharing her testimony and she said something like, I, I, now, I'm a brand new Christian. I've been a Christian for like seven minutes. I, I, I'm, this is the first, one of the first things I went to. And she said, I'm so thankful that I have been washed in the blood of the lamb. Which is awesome. Unless you have no context for what that means at all. And I, I'm sitting there with my friend and I said, who did that to her? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, that sounds Awful dude, if the, what are y'all doing? If, y'all, if somebody brings out a lamb, I'm gone. If I see a goat, I'm out. I like, I, he was like, no, 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 it's, it's Jesus is the lamb and washed in the And he, he explained it to me. And I was like, oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. Now, the, the reason I brought that up is because once I first became a Christian, and if you've, if you've ever experienced this, you become a Christian, and those first three to six months, they are amazing. It's like you're on a spiritual high. And everything you pray and ask God for, it's almost like he says Yes. Like if you wanna play the lottery, become a Christian and go buy a lottery ticket tonight. You, you might win, hopefully you'll tithe, but um, you, might, you might win, it's, it's great. And so I was on this high, but then, that high wears off and you actually gotta like, you know, follow Jesus daily when it's not easy. And I was going through a season where I felt like some things in my life weren't going the way they needed to go, some things weren't happening the way I wanted them to happen. So I went to an older, wiser friend, um, and I just said, listen, this is what's going on in my life, and, he, and once I described it, he went, oh, yeah, man. You're just going through a pruning season. And I went, yeah, that's what I thought. And I left going, I don't know what the freak he meant. I have no idea what pruning. I didn't know what pruning season meant, but I do now. And if you've ever gone, and by the way, if you don't understand it, I'm gonna explain it tonight. But if you've ever gone through a pruning season, you feel like it's punishment. You feel like you're being punished when you're being pruned. But you're not actually being punished. You're being prepared for the immeasurably more that Jesus wants to do in your life. So with all that being said, we're gonna catch back up with Gideon. We gave Gideon a timeout last week. We let him get some Gatorade. He was kind of tired. So we're getting back to Gideon. Let me do a really quick recap and review to catch everybody up. Y'all good with that? Yeah. Good. Okay, so four people are. I'll get the rest of y'all there. Once again, <laughs> that's my job. It's not yours. So we started out understanding that the Israelites had been oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. Now, this isn't like the, the Democrats held the you know, White House and then the Republicans held it. it, it it's not that type of oppression. This is the oppression where one nation conquers another nation. They start killing people. They start mistreating people. They start enslaving people. They would come in. They would steal all the food. They would steal all the livestock. And the, and the Bible said that the children of God, the Israelites, looked for places to live underground. I mean, that's, that's bad. And it went on for seven years. They had, talk, talk about trauma, I mean, I know there's a lot of us in this room that have experienced some sort of trauma. That had to be traumatic, going through that kind of lifestyle for seven years. You're living underground just to stay alive. And then finally, Jesus appears to this guy named Gideon. Before this, we don't know anything about Gideon. We don't know a thing. And Gideon's not reading his Bible. He's not singing a worship song. He's not praying a prayer. He's in a wine press. He's in a pit threshing wheat. And Jesus gets down in the pit with Gideon and doesn't judge him for the pit, doesn't condemn him for the pit. He just says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon was like, I don't know about that. And so, but Jesus, who is the word of God, starts speaking the word of God into Gideon. And remember we said Jesus was very patient. He wasn't tolerant. He was patient. There's a difference he was patient with Gideon, and Gideon was asking some questions. And Gideon was like, "Well, I don't know. Let me go get a goat and bring it back and see what happens." And then the goat caught on fire. It's, it was crazy. If you haven't, you can go. It's all on the internet. You can go and you, you read it, or read it or listen to it later. Hopefully, you'll listen to it. See, blurb. So, where was I? This is not an act. Oh yeah. So God told Gideon, um, "Now that we got things straight with us, uh, I got a task for you. Go tear down your daddy's altar." So, there was a, they worshiped two main gods, Baal and Asherah, Baal and Asherah. And remember, we talked about modern-day Baal and Asherah worship. So, Gideon was like, well, I ain't gonna do that by myself. So, he went and got 10 guys, probably like his buddies, and he's like, hey, y'all come with me. We're gonna do this thing. What are we gonna do? We're gonna tear down Dad's altar, okay? But don't worry about it. I got the security cameras taken care of, so they go. They tear down the altar. And, um, and then last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about how after that happened, the Bible literally says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he, and he blew the horn and, and he called men to battle. We're going to go and fight. And we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. When he, when he, after he blew the horn and the spirit came upon him, and, we, and remember we said the spirit allowed Samson to tear the lion apart. And, and 1 Peter 5, 8 says the devil is like a lion and how we have the power by the spirit to rip apart his work. So the word of God and the spirit of God was moving in Gideon. He put out the fleece and he saw a little bit of God's spirit. Then he saw a lot of God's spirit and that's where we're gonna pick up the story. Um, are you ready? Okay, more people. Okay, that's good. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna start the story with this as the foundation of, of the rest of the message. And it's this, watch this. His thoughts, meaning God's thoughts are higher and his ways are greater. Now, this right here, if, if, we, if we don't have this as a the foundation, then not only does this message not make, make sense, but nothing in our walk with Jesus is gonna make sense. Because I used to think that prayer was, was taking my ideas to God and now, as I've been walking with Jesus for over 30 years, I'm learning. Uh, no, no prayer is where I, I try to get His ideas into me. And even if you're not a Christian, but you're considering Christianity, which, if that's you, by the way, I'm super glad you're here. Um, I, I hope you keep coming back. But if there is a God, and by the way, I'm put my cards on the counter and say I think there is a God, then we we gotta understand that God's thoughts are higher than ours, and His ways are greater than ours. That means He knows better than we know, amen? All right, good, there we go. Judges, chapter seven, verse one. So Jeroboam, that is Gideon, by the way, they labeled him Jeroboam, which is just a reminder, when you start tearing down cultural idols, the culture people will label you. And so they label, that's another message for another time, but I just thought I'd throw that in there for absolutely free, bless you, dear God. So Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and his army, got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were, were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Mora. Now, here's the thing that blows my mind. Now, I read the Bible different and I see things different. And so when I saw this verse, I automatically thought of wrestling. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about in high school wearing the singlet. I talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm not talking about that kind of wrestling. I'm talking about like Monday night Nitro wrestling, WCW or whatever it is. Hulk Hogan, um, Randy Macho Man, Savage. Anybody ever go to rest, Go to wrestling. Everybody go. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. I see that hand. It. Is it not the most, I used to go to the Greenville Memorial Auditorium when you can get ringside seats for 10 bucks, and I got to shake the hand of Andre the Giant. It was the best day of my life. He was massive. He shook my hand, and he was all sweaty, and it just, and God, I never will forget it. And, and um, he's dead now, but that, I don't know why I said that. Oh, but wrestling, wrestling I, I used to love wrestling. And I was, I was scrolling through TikTok the other night, and I came across. A WCW a TikTok about the old school NWO. Remember when Hulk Hogan and, and it was just awesome. I was reliving so many memories, and it caused me to think about walkout music. Because when I used to go to wrestling old school, no, like one or two people had walkout music. Now everybody's got a walkout song. Everybody's got a walkout song. And they're like, can you smell with the rock? And I used to love that. It's so awesome because all the lights will go out and the wrestler's music come on and they walk down and it's just, especially, can you imagine the wrestler and he's walking in slow motion and things are blowing up behind him and the music's going. Now, some of y'all are like, why are you bringing that up? I'm glad you asked. I'm imagining that happening with Gideon right here. For seven years, for seven years, they've been running from the enemy. For seven years, they have been oppressed. For seven years, they had lived underground and seen everything they had stolen or taken away from them or even murdered right in front of them. But all of a sudden, one man, one man, consumed by the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God, this is the first time in seven years anybody took a step towards the battle. He wasn't running, running from the fight he was running to the fight. And it was just a reminder to me, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to run from fights. We can walk in confidence knowing that that by God's power through his word and his spirit, we can do exactly what he's called us to do. We have that in us. So I'm imagining Gideon walking along going, I'm gonna whip somebody. Like I I I just see it. And I hope that we can see in this text that if, if one man consumed by the power of God through the word of God and the spirit of God can walk toward the enemy and not retreat from the enemy, what could a whole group of people do? That's a great thought, isn't it? I know it's a great thought because I just came up with it and I didn't say it in the other services. So watch what happens. This next, crazy. The Lord said to Gideon, let me pause. Anytime God speaks, you would think there'd be a good thing, right? Like I, I love hearing from God, but has God ever? <laughs> has God ever asked you to do something that you weren't really excited about, that you didn't, didn't really want to do? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, a few people. The rest of y'all got the perfect relationship with Jesus. I'm glad. Halos look good. The Lord said. Lord said to Gideon. You have too many warriors with you. And if I'm Gideon, I'm stopping in this moment. And I'm like, do I? (laughs) I mean, I thought the more people, the better. He had 32,000 men with him. We're gonna find that out in just a second, 32,000. Now, somebody asked me one time, is that a lot for a battle? I'm like, well, I, I would say If I could have 32,000 people go fight with, I I would feel like I'm in a pretty good place. 32,000 people. God's like, that's too many. I mean, God, I don't know what you know about fighting, but the goal is to take a lot of people in. And God says, yeah, that's the problem. He said, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. In other words, there's a there's a there's a choice. We can either humble ourselves before God, or be humbled by God. And and God said, I I don't want any arrogant people walking around thinking that they did something, and they they're not really that good. Let me let me give you a for instance. Um, I'm a I feel like I'm a pretty in shape guy, and I feel like don't test me on this. I just feel like if I got in, in a physical altercation, in most instances, I would be okay. I feel like I can handle myself. I run, I lift weights. And so if I couldn't, if I wasn't stronger than you, I could outrun you. And and either way, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be all right. So I was hanging out with my brother-in-law and his family uh, just a few weeks ago by, in our neighborhood pool. And uh, I love my brother-in-law and his family. They're They're, they're all they're just beautiful people. They're the, they're the most photogenic family. Like, they'll take Sunday morning pictures and put them on Instagram. And I'm like, y'all, y'all are like, I, oh, my gosh. Like, that is absolutely gorgeous. And so, my brother-in-law is, um, he's, he's super smart. He's super godly. He's been taking uh, jujitsu, I got to say that word real slow, for about like three or four years. And he keeps, he, every once in a while, he'd be like, you should come by sometime. Which, which means we would love to beat the crap out of you. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down. I don't, I don't wanna get thrown across the room. And so I'm like, uh, but are you still enjoying it? He's like, oh yeah. And then he pointed to my nephew and he said he's been taking it for about a year or two. Now my nephew's seven years old and he's super smart, firstborn child, rule follower. And, and so I just asked him, I said, hey, are you, are, are you loving jujitsu? And he looked up from his book and he said, Yep, I could choke you out. <laughs> I said, "I said that's, that's sweet. That's, <laughs> that's cute. And I looked at his dad, and his dad said, no, he could. <laughs> He's like, you raising a terrorist right now? Like, what is? And then he looked at me, and he said, you should let him. Uh, <laughs> I said, okay. Little seven-year-old yeah. jujitsu expert. Show me what you got. So, I sit down on this little lounge chair, and he gets behind me, and he's got, he gets in position, and his dad is talking to him, like, I'm not there, like, I I can hear everything. He's like, now, listen, when he taps you on the arm, you need to let him go, because if you don't let him go, he's going to pass out, and I'm listening to all this, going, this is, he's seven, and he's tiny. He said, do you understand? And then he looked at me and said, now, all you gotta do is tap him on the arm. He'll let you go. I said, that's fine. And he counted down. He said, three, two, one. This kid, y'all, I, 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 I didn't tap his arm because I was swimming. I, like in a half a second. It, I've never had that kind of pressure put on my neck. I was like. And he, let him go, let him go, let him go. And then he. Like, he just looked at me and smiled, so I shoved him in the pool. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't because he had got out of the pool and thrown me across like this kid. I was, I was humbled in that moment because I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty strong. Isn't it funny how God will use simple things, small things, to humble you? Now, that's what he's saying in this text. He's like, listen, you've raised a really good army, but if I let this army go fight, then you will think that you're awesome. And, and God's goal is for us to understand that, that it's not us that's awesome. It, it really is God being awesome. And that anything that we get out of that, any sort of victory, is just a blessing from his hand. So, so for me personally, I understand this. I understand everything that I have in my hands right now today is because of, the, of a blessing from God, period. It got, God blessed me with it. That's the only reason I have it. Now, some people would say, well that's, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. You're in the ministry. But I think, what if we all could wrap our minds around that? We, everything we have that's good is a blessing from God. I've asked people in business. They're like, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm in business, and it's different. I'm like, who do you think gave you the idea for that business? Who gave you the ability to think like that so you could run that business? If you're in a job and you got a promotion, who, who set that up for you? Who, who gave you the mind to think like that? Who gave you the ability to do what you do? Everything that we have that is good is a blessing from the hand of God. And sometimes God has to say, you know what, I need you to understand that, that all the stuff you got isn't the blessing, that I'm the blessing. So, so Gideon Ken's like, all right, well, I mean, what do you think I should do? And this is, God said, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. Now, this is a good idea on the surface, right? Because if you're gonna go into a fight, if you're gonna go into a battle, you don't wanna go in with Sam the scaredy cat like, and he's just gonna freak out and run at, at, at the sign of trouble. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you, somebody had to have your back, but there are certain people, I don't want them to have my back because they would run so quick and so fast and so far. Like, I, I just need somebody that'll stand with me back to back and shoulder to shoulder. So Gideon's like, all right, listen, we're about to go into a fight and uh, these guys are pretty good. So if anybody's scared, you can go home. And he starts watching. One person leaves, and, two, and, and he's sitting there and he's like, Oh my God. <laughs> I just lost 22,000 men. It's a lot of men, isn't it? And put it in a way you understand. Let's say you had $32,000 and you lost $22,000. Would, would that hurt? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my God. Because the Bible says, so 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now, before we criticize the 22,000 for leaving, let's not be too hard on them. For seven years, they had been beaten, robbed, injured, seen their family members get, they, they did not think they had it in them. And so the first opportunity they got to walk away, they walked away. This is this is what you call pruning. God removing something so He can replace it with something better. Pruning. Now I won't go into I don't know anything about gardening. I, I don't know anything about like gardening, so I had to look all this stuff up. Um, people ask me like, what kind of what kind of plants are those in front of your house, and I'm like, green. Somebody asked me like, what kind of grass you got? I'm like, green, it's, it's green, unless it's July or August, then it's brown, but now that I got a irrigation system. Um, I guess I can tell you, if you weren't here, I don't have time, I don't have time. But this is, what, this is what Jesus said about pruning, watch this. He said, I'm the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Now this metaphor is amazing, watch this. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, which that's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. Watch this. But he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So if you, if you have a grape, grapevine, this is what he's talking about. If you have a grapevine and it's got some buds on it, a, a good gardener will step in And he will identify the the good buds versus the bad buds. He'll prune away the the bad ones, the dead weight on this vine. And ultimately, this vine will produce more good buds. It takes time. It takes effort. I'm sure it's painful. But the reason God removes things is so that he can replace them with something better. The reason God takes things away is because in his time he wants to give us more so i started thinking about god right here in this text he pruned the fear from the army and since we're in a series for men and don't worry women you're going to get your series this fall but since we're in a series for men i started thinking what are the top fears that men have. Now, I didn't find this list on Google or anything like this. I just sat down and wrote down the top fears, men, that I know we deal with. Number one, because I am a man. And number two, I talk to a lot of men and we all share these fears. Number one is fear of failure. We, I had a guy tell me this one time and it stuck with me. He said this, if a man doesn't think he can win a game, he won't play. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Because I, me personally, I've never played a friendly game of anything. I remember going to some friend's house one time, they had a little six-year-old boy want to play Uno. And the, and the mama looked at him, look, looked at me and she said, we let him win. I'm like, I'm not going to let him win. I'm going to roll him up and smoke him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm, I'm, he will never want to play Uno again. I will wipe the floor. And then my seven-year-old nephew came in. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I just, no, that didn't happen. I just... I'm just saying, we, we fear failure. I remember playing um, PlayStation with a friend of mine one time. We were playing Madden. And we were pretty competitive, but on that day, I was just in his zone. I was beating him 42 seven. It wasn't even halftime yet. And guys, when you're getting beat 42 to seven, what do you do? Turn off the game. And that ended our friendship. I'm, I'm still bitter about it. I can tell you where we were. I can tell you his name. I know he's watching online right now. I'm not gonna call you out in the service, but you know you sinned and fell short of the glory of God. So (laughs) we, we fear failure. Now, let me ask you this question. It's a question that somebody asked me one time. So what if you fail? So what? Failure is, is, is what happens when you don't get back up. What's the worst case scenario that could happen in your life if you took a step forward for Jesus? I've experienced a worst case scenario. Tomorrow, it'll be seven years since I was publicly fired. And I hit rock bottom. My failure was epic. But you know what I discovered about failure? You know what I discovered about rock bottom? Rock bottom is a great place to build the foundation that will be the rest of your life. Failure isn't final. The second, the second thing that, that men fear is fear of rejection. This is why a lot of guys aren't asking girls out today. I, I, I hear about this about once a week how guys are dating later and later and later and, and fewer are getting married and guys won't ask girls out because they're scared of rejection. What well, if she says no? Well, her loss, move on. Now girls, it's okay if you drop a hint. Like, if you were to ever ask me out, I would say yes. It's okay to say that, but men fear rejection. We fear going for the promotion. We fear, we fear being rejected. And the last thing... Is fear of the unknown. I told y'all last week, um, in in fact, in this service, that the GPS on my iPhone said it was gonna take six hours and 57 minutes for us to drive from here to Orange Beach. And I told y'all I was gonna beat it. And I did, but I almost didn't. You know why? I had a thunderstorm. I left from here, got to Atlanta in about an hour. Some are like, yeah, about an hour? Don't ask. I got to Atlanta in about an hour. And this thunderstorm came out of nowhere. And it was so intense. Typically, I don't even slow down in the rain. I just kind of keep going. But it was so intense that my truck started doing this. And, and I actually cut my hazards on. I used to make fun of people. But I was like, I was freaked out. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't only, not only did I not think I wasn't going to beat the time, I wasn't sure if we were going to make it. I thought we were going to have to pull over. It, because something, I had this plan, but then the unknown happened. But here's the s- cool thing um, about the storms that hit us when we're on our journey. They surprise us, but they don't surprise God. In fact, sometimes he sends the storm to get our attention, right? And, and control is the greatest illusion in the universe anyway. It's so funny when you confront and control freak about how little control you have. You didn't control when you were born. You didn't control who your parents were. You didn't control who your brothers and sisters were. you didn't got, like, So many things we don't control. And so when it comes to fear of the unknown, we, that's where we gotta trust that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And roll with it. So, we went from 32,000 to 10,000 Gideon's feeling good, walking forward again. But the Lord told Gideon, (laughs) if you're Gideon, you're like, all right, guys, let's go. Gideon, what, what, what? What? I tore down the altar, I blew the horn, I told all the people that were scared to run away, they all ran away, Monty Python, run away, run away, they all ran away, and I'm here with 10,000, and what, what are you gonna do? Cut my army down some more? And God said, funny that you should say that. Um, there are still too many. Are there? Are there really? Too many? You think? You think. He said, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. God said, you gotta get them to a place and once you get them to a place, I'm gonna show you. And Gideon's like, all right, fine, listen, listen. I got 10,000. There's probably gonna be 5,000 that need to be cut out and 5,000, I'm good, I'm good with this. So, all right, guys. God said to go to the spring and we're gonna figure this out. Now, what happens next is you're gonna need a mind diaper to to, to really absorb this. And I said that uh, this morning and I said it's meme worthy and I asked somebody to find me a meme and I had one by the end of the first service. So I'll be memeing mind diaper later on. It's amazing. Um, when When I first learned what I'm about to teach you, it literally blew my mind. Watch this. Verse five, when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream." Now, I'm gonna demonstrate this in just a second. Y'all gonna have to give me time because it takes me time to get down on the ground and get back up, but stay with me. Watch this. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. Ginn's like, all right, guys, get some water. And he's like, oh, snap, we got slim pickings. We got slim pickings. This is Southern Israel. We got slim pickings, boys. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouth. in the the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. If you're Gideon, are you questioning this just a little? Yes. Will you? Really? Because I had 32,000. I felt way better about them. And I got 300 based off of drinking water. And he, he goes on to say, um, so Gideon collected the provisions and the ram horns of the other warriors and sent them home. I guys, can't thank you so much for thank you for coming. Thank you, Bob. See you. I'll see you next week. See you, y'all. Y'all be good. And he ushers out 9,700 people, and he's standing there with 300 people. Now, what was it about these 300 men that God said those are the men that I want? So about nine years ago, I'm in the Jezreel Valley where this takes place. And I'm riding in a van with my friend, Arie, who's a Messianic Jew who knows the Bible. Uh, he, he's forgotten more about the Bible than I will ever know. And we're just riding down the road. And he points over at this body of water. And he tells me, and I'm not even gonna try to do his voice because it's so, anyway, he said, he said, basically, that's the spring where, where Gideon took the men to choose the 300. That's the that's the area. We, he said, that's not the exact area, but that's the spring. That's the body of water. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's just like Anderson. We have stuff like that everywhere. Just that's, that's the, and I, so I'm, I'm taking pictures of it. And he, he asked me, he said, do you, know, do you know why the selection process was the way it was? And this is what I learned with Arya. You never answer his questions. You ask him why was the selection process the way it was? You just turned the question around on him. So that's what I did. And in order to set, in order to explain his answer, you gotta give me a minute and set it up. How many people prefer, prefer a bath, I mean a shower over a bath? A shower over a bath, a shower over, okay. Now, for all the people that got your hand raised, if I ask you to describe how you take a shower, you would have to think about it for a minute. You know why? Because you don't think when you get in the shower. You don't, you're not gonna get in the shower tonight and go, okay. Whew. Shampoo, nope, wrong hand. Shampoo. Little quarter size. Head. Scrub it in. Loofah. Ain't nothing like a good loofah. Body wash. Face before the booty. Face before you don't have to tell yourself that. It's good advice, by the way. A whole host of reasons. You know why you have some of your best thoughts? isn't this true? You have some of your best thoughts in the shower. You know why you have some of your best thoughts in your shower? Because you're not thinking. You're, you, you just go on automatic pilot. It's a habit. Like driving home. Have you ever gotten in your car at work to drive home and then 10, 20, 30 minutes later, you pull up at home and you don't remember the drive and you're sober? Like, like you don't. Re- it's because it's a habit. You're just, you don't, you don't even see things anymore. It's just a habit. Now, the reason I bring that up Is because in Baal and Asherah worship, there were two main things that happened in the home of every person that worshiped Baal and Asherah. The first thing was, if you worshiped Baal, you had to fall on your knees. And it was either in 1 Kings 18 or 1 Kings 19 when God is telling Elijah, you're not the only one. He said, I've reserved 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. So you would walk into your house, there would be a carpet, and on the front end of this carpet, at least three times a day, some people say five or six, but at least three times a day for seven years, you do the math, that's a lot of times, these people would walk into their house. Now, I'm not gonna fall on my knees for a lot of reasons, but it's gonna take me a minute, but give me a minute just to get down here. But they would fall on their knees, And some people that are 52, like my age, they would probably do it like this and fall on their knees, right? And then at the end of this carpet, there would be an Asherah pole. There would be a miniature Asherah pole. Think about the size of a chess piece. And what you would do in this moment is you would lean forward and kiss the Asherah pole. So, let's go through this for just a second. Three times a day, every day, for seven years, you would fall on your knees, lean forward, kiss the pole. So God said, the men that got the water like this, these were your guys. And I was always told that the reason God chose them is because they were the warriors, they were the fighters, they were the ones that were prepared. In fact, that's what I ultimately told Aria, and he said, yes, all my American friends say that. They are wrong. I was like, I know, stupid Americans. (laughs) Think about it for a second. If you're falling on your knees to worship Baal, then leaning forward to kiss the pole. And it becomes a habit. It's just what you do every single day. The men that came up to the water and fell on their knees and leaned forward to drink the water were making a declaration. They were worshiping Baal. And God's telling Gideon, I wanna remove what is fake out of my army so I can take the real men of God to the fight. And your habits don't lie. Mind diaper. (laughs) So I started thinking, what would happen if we got, give me a minute. good. Well, what would happen if we got what was fake? I, now, when I say fake, I always want to pause here because people think, I've had people come up to me going, Pash P, what about plastic surgery? Is it okay? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Can you afford it? Can you, I've had people go, should I, should I get plastic surgery on my face? And I'm like, it 100% depends on your face. Um, <laughs> <at> some people, <laughs> yes. Um, and some people, like me, it ain't gonna help. Um, So let's just be honest and just make sure you can afford it. Just make sure you can pay for it. Don't be making payments because they could start repossessing stuff. That could, wow. So anyway. (laughs) I'm just gonna keep that right there and stay on the text. (laughs) What what if you got what was, now when I say fake, think of fake and sin. Being the same thing. What would happen if we allowed God to prune the sin out of our lives? And you know why it's so tense in the room right now? Because there's sin in the room. And that's not me being judgmental. If I was the only person in the room. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? Right? What would happen if we allowed God to just prune that out of us? You know why we won't? You know why a lot of people won't confess their sin, confess what they're struggling with, get real? You know why we won't do it? It goes back to, I mean, we've already talked about it. Um, fear of failure. Pastor P, if I confess my sin, everybody's gonna know that I've messed up. Guess what? Nobody thinks you're perfect. Nobody. Nobody on this planet thinks you're perfect. It, in fact, failure in our walk with Jesus is, is not actually opening up and telling the truth. Because listen, I know this from what I've preached, what I've read in the Bible, and what I've lived. The consequences of concealment are far greater than the consequences of confession. The second reason is is fear of rejection. Pastor P, if I confess my sin, if I confess what's off in my life, people are gonna walk away. And I'm here to tell you, you're exactly right. People will leave your life for various reasons. Maybe, um, Maybe they're offended. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they don't know how to respond. I don't know, but here's what I can promise you. For every single person that walks away from you, God will replace them with somebody better in his time. You'll lose some people, you will. And it's gonna suck, it'll hurt. But man, it's... It's better long-term. And then, last but not least, fear of the unknown. Pastor, if I come out and confess this issue, what's gonna happen? I don't know, but here's what I do know. That if you confess what's going on in your life, you're in the will of God, and I would rather be in the will of God than out of the will of God. And if his thoughts are greater and his ways are greater, then what would happen if we took him at his word? And we just did what John said to do. John said in 1 John 1, 9, But if we confess our sins, now, real quick. Confessing our sin is not informing God. It's not like God didn't know. You know, God, I did blank. And God's like, oh man, I didn't know that. God already knows. Confessing with our sins is agreeing with God that what we're doing is wrong. That's what confession is. And by the way, notice I I didn't say confess our mistakes because Jesus didn't die for mistakers. A mistake is when we don't carry the one in a math problem. He didn't die on the cross for that. He died on the cross for our sins. Now, typically, this is where a pastor would start going through and list sins that people could be struggling with. But let me tell you why I'm not gonna do that. Two reasons. Number one, if I make a list and you don't find yourself on that list, you could, you bec- you could become very self-righteous. Well, I'm not dealing with any of that stuff, so I'm good. Number two, I want you to listen to the voice of God, to listen to the Holy Spirit speak into your life tonight. And if, he, if he's... Con- now listen, conviction is over something that's going on right now. Not something that happened 10, 15, 20 years ago and you keep asking for forgiveness and it keeps getting brought up. That's condemnation. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm talking about what's going in your life, on in your life currently, right now. John said, and John walked with Jesus. I mean, John knew Jesus. And John said... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. In other words, God, this is wrong. and I don't, I don't wanna live this way anymore. I want it to be made right. And that starts a process in our life that is mind-blowing. And then he says this. Actually, the, the half-brother of Jesus, James, said this. He said, he said confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a lot of people in church world today that we've been forgiven, but we haven't been healed because we we haven't opened up and asked somebody for help. This is who I am. This was what I'm wrestling with. You know where I learned, you know where I learned that this works? In rehab, where everybody in the circle sat down with one common denominator, we all knew we were messed up and we needed help. And when a group of people sit down together knowing we're messed up and we need help, but by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we can overcome that thing that has been overcoming us for so long, well, we could walk in victory. So what, what would happen? Maybe tonight, during our invitation time, you need to confess something to the Lord. Or maybe you need to confess to somebody here, somebody with you, a friend. And if you don't have somebody here that you can talk to about what's going on in your life, here's what's beautiful. We've got a, we've got a care team. And during the invitation, they'll be standing right outside these exit doors and they would love to talk to you. This is a safe place. We'll save people. And all we wanna do is help you take your next step. So with that in mind, Father, I wanna thank you tonight that you said in your word that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And Father, I believe that by the Spirit of God and by your word that we can overcome. Jesus, I believe that we don't have to be a slave to fear. Because we are your children, and God, you will make a way. You will, you will part a sea. You will, you will meet us where we are. But you love us too much to let us stay that way. God, I want to thank you that your word is true, and what has been preached tonight isn't just true for Gideon. It's true for every one of us in this room. That we can know that we, we have your spirit and we have your word, and we can stand on these things, knowing that. Your plans are higher and your thoughts are higher and your ways are greater. Jesus, I thank you tonight that we can declare that and it's true, that we don't have to live in fear. God, we can live in faith. We can walk toward the fight. And God, as we're being pruned along the way, we know that everything that you take away, you're gonna gonna replace it with something better. Well, heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Maybe right where you stand, right now. It just needs to be your personal altar to God and you need to to confess a sin to God. This is not for the purpose of shaming anybody. This is, listen, when God tells me I'm getting something wrong, that's a blessing because I want to get it right and he wants me to get it right. That's the same thing for all of us. So if there's something going on in your life and you know it's a sin, just tell God, right, God, I agree with you. this is wrong and i want to make it i I want you to help me make it right That's a powerful prayer and starts a process it's amazing maybe you need to tonight you need to talk to somebody you need to talk to somebody you came with or you need to call somebody or text somebody or you need to talk to somebody on our care team if so you can step out of your aisle right now and walk out the back door and somebody from our care team will meet you in the back and we would love to pray with you pray for you and encourage you in any way we can and maybe you're here tonight you've never prayed to receive jesus the weight of your sin is on you and here's what's beautiful you can put that weight on jesus tonight because jesus christ died on a cross and he paid for our sin and all we have to do is receive him into our life and we are forgiven and made brand new so if you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive christ and you want to ask jesus to come into your life i'm going to ask you in just a second to say a prayer but I'm gonna ask you to say this prayer out loud. And the reason I'm asking you to say it out loud is because I want you to hear yourself say the words. There are power, there's power in spoken words. But here's what's cool, you're not gonna say it alone because every week, our Second Chance family, we say it with you so you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, supported by a whole room full of people. So if you need to pray to receive Christ, you pray with me right now in Second Chance family, let's pray it with them together. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross, and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins, and right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed and accepted Christ, I wanna pray with you, and I wanna pray for you, but I need to know who you are, so if you you just prayed that prayer, if you'll do me a favor right now while I'm looking around, if you'll just put your hand in the air and leave it up so I can see it. Amen, amen. Leave it up. Put them up high. Put them up high. Amen, amen. Keep them up. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That so many hands just went up. I think I just saw more hands in this service than I saw this morning combined. God, thank you so much that you're doing a work in this in this room tonight. God, I thank you for every person they just prayed to receive you. I, I pray that as they walk out of this room, they would know they are forgiven and loved. And God, that you will never leave them and you will never forsake them. God, that you will always be with them. They will remember this night. And Father, for the rest of us in this room, I pray that we would walk out of here knowing, Jesus, that we're not walking, trying to achieve a victory, that we are walking in victory, that we don't have to be scared of sin. We don't have to be scared of anything that's thrown at us because you are with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody the degree says amen. Amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Man, what an awesome day. I love you guys. Hope y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back next Sunday.